0: Praise God. Brother Shoemake, we welcome you to this pulpit, and we are thrilled that you are here, and there is no restraint here. Whatever God leads you to do, we want you to do it. Let's welcome man of God this morning. Thank you, Brother Hughes. God bless you. You may be seated. It's a privilege to be here today, and we appreciate what God is doing here in, is it Webster? All right. Uh, I know one thing. One of these days, there is going to be a uh, takeoff from Earth that NASA has never dreamed of. I I just believe that from this place, there's going to be a lot of folks ascending to the glory on high. This isn't just about a philosophy. It isn't about something to kind of kill time and occupy our minds for a while. This is about eternity. We're not here today to satisfy our personal needs, although God does that very wonderfully. We're here today because this is an eternal quest. We're on an eternal journey today. I know that our feet may be planted firmly on the earth, and we still deal with the issues of life. But we're on an eternal journey today. And if God would touch our minds and our hearts and if He would anoint us, then we hope to be able to attract others. I, I just pray that God would allow His Spirit to become so powerful and mighty in my life that it would almost be like Velcro. Anybody coming within any any close distance to me would just be attached, not to me, but to the Spirit of God that touches our hearts and has changed our lives. And I just believe that God has a plan for all of us. So thank you, Brother Hughes, for honoring us, allowing us to fill your pulpit today to minister in this church and We have not come here to uh, either show off what we can do because that would be guaranteed to bring a little bit of humility and a lot of pain to our minds, but we have come here hopefully to allow God to work and let God do what he does so great, touching changing the lives of men. The Bible said we don't need to be conformed to the world, but we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed by His power. So we need the power of God to minister in our lives today. So I have not come to preach at you, but I have come that in some way God might... uh, touch our hearts, and together we might take a little journey into His presence and see how miraculously God can transform our thinking, our attitude, our spirits. And we can come to the conclusion quickly, really, that it isn't just business as usual. With God. It is standing on the threshold of the miraculous. It is standing in a place where God can do things that are absolutely unbelievable. It's coming to a place where God can transform so completely and miraculously that a heroin addict could walk in this building today and could recognize that they're in the presence of God, and if they were to put themselves in the hands of man, they would have to go through days of pain and suffering to try to get all of the heroin out of their system so that their lives could be changed and they could become normal again. But in one instant, the power of God can transform and change not just a heroin addict, but any sinner. No matter what the bondage, no matter what the weight of sin, God can transform our lives instantly if we just give Him a chance. I want to give God a chance today to do a work in my heart. I want Him to make a difference in my life. I had not thought about it for a long time. Something happened the other day that reminded me of uh, an experience at our first pastorate. I was privileged, we were privileged to pastor my old home church in Oklahoma, the place that I had grown up in. And uh, as I got older, old enough to drive, it became my job to... Uh, go make the rounds in a little community and pick up a lot of the uh, widow ladies who were living on old age pension, didn't have transportation. And I I had the privilege as a teenager of uh, picking those ladies up and taking them to church and then taking them home afterwards. It didn't matter what kind of plans my friends made and what their thoughts were. That we might do after church, I would not allow anything to interfere with that that job taking those uh, sweet old ladies home, and they were precious. Well, later, as I got into ministry, uh, I was privileged to go back and pastor there. And one morning, I, I was, I don't know what I was feeling, but I was feeling something, and I. I got to looking out on the congregation looking at at folks sitting there and some of these uh, widow ladies, and I got to thinking uh, what a small amount of money they were living on and, and uh, how that uh, I just, when I saw them walk up and put their ties in monthly as they would receive their pension checks, such a small check, and yet they put their ties, And I said, you know, there are some times that I just feel like I want to say, well, just don't put your money in anymore. I just felt bad about what they were giving. And immediately when I had concluded my message, old Sister Barnett rushed to the front. And she, with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said, Brother Jimmy, You're not going to forbid us from paying tithes, are you? So that would take the blessings of God off of our lives. And uh, I I assured her that that was not my intent, that I just felt compassionate towards them and so forth. A few days later, uh, she came up for prayer, and as I laid my hands on her and prayed for her, I didn't know exactly what her needs were, but I prayed, and the next service she came back, and she had a big smile on her face, and she was just rejoicing, Uh, and she stood to testify, and she said, Brother Jimmy, the other night when I came up for prayer, said, when you prayed for me, said, God touched my body. In a way that I have not felt in years. And she threw her hands up and said, I feel like a girl again, so full of energy and filled with life. You know, God can do things instantly if we just give Him a chance. If we recognize who He is and what He can do and give Him a chance. To work in our lives. So, not here today to preach at you. But I'm here to minister in a way that hopefully. That we can all together take a spiritual journey this morning. That would make us more effective when we leave this building. Than we were when we came in today. It isn't a matter of challenging anyone, certainly not chastising. But it's so easy to get caught up in life and just, you know, well, this is what we do. So it's Sunday morning, we get up and go to church. And Sunday night, it's time to go to church, whatever your midweek service might be. And forget, forget the excitement that is really there. If we could just understand who God is and what God has planned and give God a chance. There is no telling what God would do this morning if we would just give Him a chance. There are miracles of healing that could take place here today. You don't have to have anybody lay hands on you. Just open your heart. Give God your praise. Allow God to work in your life and see what God might do for you today. He is able. There is nothing, nothing impossible with God. He is able. I apologize. I prayed. I asked God for direction for this service. I, I ask Him to touch my heart with anointing. I prayed to be sensitive to His Spirit so that uh, He might be able to direct my mind and that I would be a blessing to you. I don't want to just come here and talk a while or minister a while. I don't have the preacher's itch. It isn't like I've got to fill every weekend or every service and minister, but when I do, I want it to be effective. I like the Apostle Paul, I don't want to fight as one that beateth the air, and I don't want to run in vain. What he was saying: if I'm going to fight, I want to land some blows that make a difference. If I'm going to run, I want to receive the crown at the end of that race. I don't want to, I don't want to run in vain. Before I read a scripture, I would just like to uh, commend you folks for joining with Brother and Sister Hughes and their vision. What a beautiful facility you've built here. We commend you for the love and the care for the kingdom of God that is very evident here. And for the energy, for the money, the sacrifices, for everything that you've done to make this possible so that I believe Brother Hughes said some 65,000 automobiles pass by here every day so that 65,000 plus people can see this church and hopefully some of them at some point will realize, I need God, I saw a church, I think I'll try it out. Amen. If you would turn, and I apologize because I've made a shift in the middle of the stream here 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 11 according to the glorious gospel of the blessed god which was committed to my trust let me let me read it again i think i pulled it a little bit fast there but let me read it again 1st Timothy chapter 1 Verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Here, Paul calls this a glorious gospel. In the book of Revelation, it's referred to as the everlasting gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most valuable thing In all of the world, the most valuable. Because it can bring us to a relationship with God that gives us not just an experience, but an eternal hope that is worth more than the combined wealth of the world. Because the Bible said that if a man gained the whole world, and lost his soul, he wouldn't have profited one bit. And then goes on to say, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One commentary left the strong implication that this was dealing with eternity. Once we have entered into eternity, there isn't enough money or value in all of the world to redeem that soul from the pit of hell and eternity. But now, every one of us can be redeemed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, touch our hearts. Lay your hand upon us. Awaken us today, God. I pray that the alarm clock of eternity would ring in our hearts today. That it would connect with our spirits. And that our souls could be reminded again of the power of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God We just want you to do your work here today. Lead us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. So, for a while here this morning, I would like to talk to you about the power of of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's someone here today, a backslider or someone who has never given their heart to God, I certainly hope that I could present this in a way that God could work through me and that His Spirit could touch your heart. And that before you leave here today, you would make a decision that You're going to give your heart to God and you're going to turn from the powers of the world and sin unto His righteousness. To the church, the saints of the living God, I trust that my efforts today with God's help and anointing would just give you a fresh perspective of the valuable thing that we're engaged in and that God could help every one of us to understand that that we do have a stake in this, that we we have a part of this, that we're not just stumbling through life aimlessly, but when God has called us, He has called us into His kingdom with purpose and for a purpose. And I trust that I could help you to understand a little bit more the value of what we're engaged in. if you will forgive me, I, I just battle allergies constantly and they're just a consistent problem. Paul, writing to Timothy, said according to the glorious gospel, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. God trusted him enough to commit this gospel to his hands and his heart. When I think about the gospel of Christ, I think about a lot of things, but first of all, I think about the simplicity of it. The gospel is not a complicated thing. It's very simple. It is not as simple as some folks lead people to believe. It's more than just a mind game. The gospel is more than just me thinking in my mind, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and I accept that. It, it, isn't, it isn't quite that simple and yet it isn't a lot more complicated than that because faith is described very eloquently in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And this lets us know that faith is not just a mind game or a decision made in here. Well, it it begins here, but it's more than that. Faith is action upon God's Word. Faith means that you believe God's Word, therefore you're going to act upon God's Word. When I think about the simplicity of the Gospel, that it really is wrapped around what we commonly term the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. That He died for us, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day. We connect with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord by obeying Acts 2.38 when Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the gospel of Christ is the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord, meaning that we have the opportunity to die out to sin by the simple act of repentance. God can do more in our lives through repentance than all of the psychologists, psychiatrists, and all of the experts in the world can do. They talk about people being redeemed and changed in prison. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. They go in, come out usually, and statistics prove they come out worse than they were when they went in. You could commit something that would seem to be very horrible, and society can never repair what you did. But I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Christ is sufficient to cleanse from every sin. From every sin can wash away every sin stain. Brother Hughes was telling me today about the construction of the buildings here. And how that you folks put your hearts into it and your hands, and your backs, and your finances, and how that you did the majority of the work yourselves, reminded me of the last building my father built, and the church that I became pastor of about 37, 38 years ago. And when that building was being built, there was a man that did much of the concrete work. He was a cement contractor. And his wife and children attended church. He came occasionally. They were part of the church. He was not. He would come daily and work hard. And he contributed much of his labor and even a lot of the materials. To the church. He just gave it to the church. When the building was finally f- finished. He attended the first service on a Sunday morning. He said I preached that morning. I don't really remember it. I just remember the uh, after part. I remember that Bill was the first one to receive the Holy Ghost. In that new building. Now. Now. Just two or three years ago, I met Bill's nephew at one of our general conferences. And we stood and talked for a little bit. And he said, "Uh, You probably don't know me, but you know some of my relatives. And I said, Who is that? And he said, The Hendersons. And when he said that name immediately, I remembered them and I remembered. Bill Henderson and he said my uncle Bill Henderson did a lot of concrete work at your dad's church and I I said yes I remember him very well I said he was the first man to receive the Holy Ghost in our new church he said do you know the whole story I said no I really don't I just know that he came to church and went to the altar and God filled him with the Holy Ghost he said well that morning You preached on the power of the blood of Christ. And he said Bill had been to church many times in the past and he had felt conviction. He had wanted to go to the altar, but every time that he would about decide that he was going to give it a try, he said he would remember scenes from World War II when he was a paratrooper. And he would remember times when they had parachuted behind the enemy lines for some strategic action and said uh, one time in particular they were attacked by the enemy. and, And he said as we began to fire our automatic weapons he said we killed men that day by the hundreds and he said every time. I would decide I was going to go to the altar. said I would see a scene of that mayhem and bloodshed and the dying and dead men by the hundreds laying there, blood flowing freely across the ground. And he said when I would see that scene, he said I would think God could not forgive me for being involved in that kind of mayhem and killing. He said, God could not forgive me, but said that day when you preached on the power of the blood of Christ, he said, all of a sudden it dawned on me that I had been discounting the power of the blood all of those years. Thank God for the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. To think that repentance is such a powerful thing. And then you connect that to water baptism. When I am baptized in His name. The one who shed His blood for me when I am baptized in His name. All of my sins are remitted. It is though I had never committed them. My sins cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, thank God for the power of the blood. Uh, yes, yes. I, I'll never forget that Sunday morning when I had invited everybody to come to the front. And there was a lady there for the first time. It was obvious she didn't know much about Pentecost, maybe much about church at all. But she joined with others as they came to the front. And she stood there weeping. I was praying with someone else who had come for the first time that morning. And when I felt I could be released from them, I walked over to her. And she was standing there just crying. Didn't seem to know how to pray. And when she looked at me, she said, Pastor, can He really forgive any sin? And when she said it, the tears flowed. I don't know what deep, dark failing of humanity had filled her mind with shame and unbelief so great that she could not believe that even God could forgive those sins it was one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to look at her and with all the confidence in the world say yes he can forgive any sin thank god he can forgive any sin no wonder no wonder the apostle paul called it the glorious gospel A little later in that same chapter, he talks about the purpose of Christ coming to the earth. When he said Christ Jesus came to the earth to save sinners. And then I can almost picture him as he bows his head for a moment. As he thinks about that fantastic statement that profound statement, Christ Jesus came to the earth to save sinners. And I, he said, I, he had to pause. I was one of the greatest. He remembered standing there when they stoned Stephen and other vile acts that he had committed as he tried to stop the growth of that newborn church and All of those sins must have welled up for that moment in his mind. And he said, I was one of the greatest. No wonder he described it as the glorious gospel because he can wash away every sin stain. Folks, I don't care how long we've been in the church. I don't care how much we've seen and how many glorious services we've been in. Every once in a while, we need to go back to that place where God redeemed us and say, Thank you, God, for touching my life, for transforming me. Thank you for making me over again. Thank you for the power of the blood that flows from Calvary. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Then he said that you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This, this really is a problem with me. It, it really bothers me. I don't want you to take up my battles, but it really bothers me that we have got preachers out there. I listened to one of them the other day on the radio, and they make so, well, it's a mockery, really, of the power of the Holy Ghost. When they tell you or the world that God finally realized that man could never get any better, And so He just said that that you can stand on My righteousness. Okay, folks, I'm not going to take time to explain all of that. I'm just going to tell you if the power of the Gospel, if the power of the Holy Ghost is not enough to give us strength to walk above sin, then what power does God have? What power does God have? Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto Me. Go ye therefore into all of the world and make disciples of all nations. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, He fills you with power to overcome the powers of sin. He said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto Me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. Thank God... For the power of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to walk under the bondage of sin anymore. Because we have been redeemed by the power of the blood of Christ. And neither do we have to yield to the powers of unrighteousness today. Glory to God. We don't have to yield to those powers. Because God has filled us with His Spirit. The gospel is the most precious thing. I don't want to just repeat myself, but I want you to understand what I'm feeling today. The gospel is the most precious thing in all of the world. In all of the world. In all of the world. It's worth our efforts, it's worth our testimony. It's worth our commitment. Oftentimes in my prayers, I will quote a scripture from, I believe, Revelation. that said that Thou art worthy, for Thou hast created all things. Thou art worthy, O Lord. I quote that in my prayer and that I remind myself again, God, You are worthy. You're worthy of my love. You're worthy of more than lip service. You're worthy when I come to the house of God and I lift my hands in praise. You're worthy that I bring my mind under subjection. And I recognize You. And I don't just let words flow from memory because You're worthy of my heart at that moment. You're worthy, God. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my commitment. You're worthy of me saying that, God, I'll give You all. You're worthy of my devotion, God. You're worthy of my witness and my testimony. You're worthy. You're worthy. Glory to God. He is worthy, folks. I just feel at this point we need to lift our hands. We need to magnify the Lord together. Tell Him again from the depths of our hearts that He is worthy. He is worthy of all praise and honor glory to God thou art worthy o Lord for thou hast created all things created thou art worthy O Lord oh you're worthy glory to God you're worthy God you're worthy glory to God blessed be the name of the Lord blessed be be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not trying to work something up. I just want to flow with the Holy Ghost. I, I just I want I want my heart to feel when I walk out of here today that I've done my very best to touch your hearts. Brother Hughes, I don't know that your church needs my help, but I'm here and I want to do my best to leave something here that will spark something in somebody's heart so that next week is not going to be the same as it's been for the last year. That there would be a a revolution in my mind that, my my heart and my mind's gonna change. I'm gonna realize that the kingdom of God is worth everything that I can invest in it. Didn't the Bible say that we shouldn't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal? But we ought to lay up treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. I'd like to just I'd just like to lay up a few treasures. Would you lift your hands once again? Father, we love you. I want you to touch our hearts, God. I want you to minister today. I want you to direct our steps today. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, lead us by Your Spirit, I pray. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. It's probably been three or four years ago now. I didn't mark it on the calendar when it happened, but I was in prayer and I don't know why, you know, sometimes you'll be praying about something and then all of a sudden, you know, your mind just will go to a certain thing or place. That day as I was praying, my mind went to our church and the neighborhood around our church. The neighborhood has... Changed a lot since my father bought the property in the early part of the 1960s. At that time, there were just a lot of strawberry patches and orchards and farmhouses around, and a few houses. Since that time, they came in and built a lot of uh, larger. Apartment complexes, and there's an area there, just uh, a little bit to the south and the southwest of our church, where they've constructed a lot of uh, a lot of apartment buildings, and over the years, the owners have allowed them to run down. Because of that these apartments became magnets for welfare recipients. Please understand when I make descriptions here, it is not with a desire to to belittle anyone or downgrade their worth, and you'll see that a little bit as uh, humans. But this is just what happened. Welfare recipients... Drug addicts and not only drug addicts but dealers and uh recent immigrants, and no doubt a good many of them illegal and the property owners were not taking care of the property and so they just became more and more uh downgraded and and i I thought of that when I was praying we had just finished building a nice facility large complex and it'd been a long time coming a lot of effort a lot of work and energy and we just completed it and all of a sudden i guess it was just my carnal side kind of took over and and i i thought maybe i should have sold this property years ago and Move the church facilities somewhere else to a nicer location. Please understand what I'm saying. This is no, this is no reflection on any other church and where they are or what's happening. This is strictly what was happening with us. It was a local thing. But I think it could have implications in many ways for others. But uh, I thought I I should have sold this property and then. I had a real carnal thought. I thought, you know, <clears throat> and I have friends come here. What are they going to think when I drive them by all of those uh, those apartments and doesn't look very good? And what are they going to think about our church and the neighborhood we're in? And just pride taking over. I had no more than just let that thought pass through my mind until God began to speak to me and he said don't you think that I knew when your father bought this property what it would be like now he said don't you think that I put a lot of trust in you to believe that you would be willing to minister to this neighborhood? I began to weep. My thoughts and my prayers changed. It had nothing to do with pride or with anything else. It had everything to do with the glorious gospel that you've put in my trust. My prayers changed. I said, God, thank You for putting enough trust in me to believe that I would be willing to minister to this neighborhood. Thank You, God, that You gave us the privilege of carrying the Gospel to this neighborhood. It seems like that I kind of hear Jesus reading that day In the fourth chapter of Luke, where he took the book of Isaiah and began to read and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. (laughs) To bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captives and so forth. And then he said, To Preach the acceptable year of the Lord Or the year that the Lord accepted Most commentaries will tell you That that's talking about the year of Jubilee The year when God restored to the Israelites The things that they had lost Through the years Through ignorance Through carelessness Through tragedy However they lost it It was restored in that year of Jubilee And Jesus said I've come to preach Jubilee to the world. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And so God has come to bind up broken hearts, to deliver the captive, to set men and women free, to heal them of their their spiritual and mental diseases as well as their physical diseases. And God has not only come to set them free, but God has come to restore them. Time would not permit me to go much further with this today. But I, I was no longer pastor of the church. They called me bishop for whatever it's worth. I, I know that it's said with a great deal of honor and respect on their part. I accept that, though it's been kind of difficult for me to accept that title. My son's pastor there now. I, I don't call the shots. I don't make the decisions. He does. And I don't uh, challenge his decisions. But I went to him and he has been so kind. That two or three times I've gone to him and told him that I felt something. He said, well, Dad, if that's what you feel, and get with it. Do it. We'd had bus ministry years ago. We had as many as 17 buses. We worked our heads off on bus ministry. Brother Ron Wilhoit came through San Jose not long after Bobby and I had gone there. And he had, had a vert, burden and a vision prior to that and we'd talked about what became search for truth. And it Kind of changed the dynamics of soul winning. Thank God for it. I don't want to say more than I should. It seemed like later they became a little sorry that they ever wrote the book. I thank God every day for Search for Truth and for the revival that it sparked in churches around the world, actually. and He came there and he had a a real... Burden for soul winning and God used him that day and just that one service transformed our church just that one service it wasn't long after that till we were baptizing people nearly every day of the week I'd have people call and say pastor could you meet us at the church between 12 and 1 sure why because we've been teaching a Bible study at work, and the man's decided he wants to be baptized in Jesus' name, and and so sure I'll meet you. And what a, what a glorious thing it was to see it. And so we turned our energies there, and and we just kind of cut off bus ministry. Looking back on it, I realized that was probably a mistake, and that we cut it off altogether. But that day in prayer when God renewed my burden for that community. I felt so strong, need to start bus ministry again. So I went to John and I said, said, John, I feel like God wants us to start bus ministry again. He said, Dad, if you feel it, go after it. I went and found a bus myself and bought it and was going to pay for it myself. Some of the men in the church found out about it and they paid for it. I don't want to go into too many details, but the first Sunday, the first Sunday that our young people went out on the streets to meet people, they met a family about a block or two from our church, and they could barely speak English, and they began to talk to them about coming to church. And they said, Sure. They said, okay, the bus will be by, and told him when. The man said, no, 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 you don't need to bring the bus. He said, we're close enough, we'll just walk to church. And they were there that Sunday morning, and God filled them with the Holy Ghost as they hit the altar, and God worked in their lives. I, I can tell you of some glorious things that are happening, but two or three years ago, I looked back, and there was a couple sitting there, I don't think it's been maybe not even quite two years ago, but but whatever it was, I, I looked back and a couple was sitting there and I thought when I saw them that they might be parents of some of our best children. And when I made the altar call that day, I felt to go back to that man and, and I hadn't done this in a long time, but I just laid my arms around his shoulders and didn't know him. I said, I just feel like God's dealing with you today and you need to come down to the front with me and he was a stocky man and looked rough and just at that point just looked mean and and yet I knew that God was dealing with him he just followed me down as meek as a little puppy and walked to the front with me and his wife followed him down And we stood there that morning, and it was evident that she knew a little bit about prayer because she was praying. I think she had been to the church a time or two, and I think this was his first time there. I didn't really know it. But as we stood there praying, it was between 30 and 45 minutes that he stood there with his hands raised about like this. He never opened his eyes a time that I saw And I never heard him say a word. But I would pray with him and look at him and I could see his mouth. You had to be close to see it moving just minutely. And I watched him there that day and then every once in a while a tear would roll down his cheek. And he stood that way. When he finally had finished praying that day or whatever was going on, he dropped his hand. Opened his eyes, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. He shook his head and said, Wow. I don't know where he had been in the Spirit, but Brother Hughes, I wish I could have gone on that journey with him again because maybe it would have excited me even more about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said, you need to come back tonight, you and your wife, because God's doing a work in your life. They were back. They haven't missed many services since then. God's filled them both with the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. What a thrill it is to see her when the Spirit of God begins to move and she starts getting excited about the only way she can really express that other than verbally is to get out of the pew and walk down to the front of the church and just stand there and just kind of bounce and raise her hands. and. The tears flowing, praise God. But what excites me is one of her eight children or two of them, two little boys about this high and this high. They'll see where she's gone and I watch them walk down and stand by mom as she's worshiping God down there. Oh, thank God for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. This man... This man was a drug addict and a pusher. He was one of the biggest meth dealers on the west side of our community. He was involved in it big time, but God has set him free, delivered him. What a joy now to see him ushering in our church, to see him worshiping God. Glory to God, folks. The gospel's worth talking about. It's worth praying about. It's worth teaching about. It's worth sharing from the depths of our hearts. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hands again? Let God renew that love in your heart. (laughs) Let God excite a desire in your heart for involvement. God, I pray that you would touch us today. I pray that your spirit can direct our hearts.